Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you. Good morning, Dr. Paul. Election day today. Oh, <laughs> anxiously waiting. <laughs> but, you know, you and I were just uh, mentioning that, uh, you know, the vote counting might get pretty complex. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it could be a lot worse than anybody anticipated. Everybody knows there's going to be watchers all over and... But, uh, you know, in the electronic age, I keep thinking of uh, electronic uh, sabotage. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, even the preliminary reports, it's not like just one group in one place. It's starting to add up. And uh, all they have to do is destroy the confidence in it. And yeah. then come up with some real wild thing like uh, the, the uh, Democrats won by 30% every dist every election in in Arizona. Yeah. And then there who who knows what will happen. This hope it's not that bad because that that would make it a non-election. So Yeah, I mean cheating is one thing, but what we're seeing here is massive incompetence. Why can we not just simply give people ballots, have them vote, count the votes and declare the winner? Why they they're saying that it could be days, it could be weeks. I think Fetterman up there in Pennsylvania said, "Well, I may start out slow, but I'll have a good ending like in a few weeks. I mean, why are these people so seemingly incompetent is the question. You know, there should be reassurance or theoretical reassurance that with the electronics that you'd be able to do it. It'll be faster than faster. all this manual yeah. way and slick <laughs> and you'd have control of it. But all of a sudden, you know, get to the point where when, when you think of all our national security abilities with all the instruments they have, you know, the uh, the technology that's beneficial also can be the biggest enemy. And that's why, you know, just plain old, here's your ballot, vote, we'll count it and, uh, and go on. But yeah. uh, well, we will soon find out, but in the meantime, we'll talk about something in the real world uh, and uh, try to influence people toward a peaceful society. And this uh, first one we have come up with is, comes from a responsible uh, space uh, statecraft, and I think that's the Quincy yeah, uh -huh. Institute, and they're making an effort. Uh, but the title of the article is, Are Republicans Really Poised to Put Brakes on Ukraine Aid? Something that uh, has been an interest to us because we're uh, questioning that. And uh, if history uh, repeats itself, there will be questions about the people who are enthusiastic for a certain thing. Will they be able to carry through or whether they really want to uh, carry through? And uh, I think that, that, is, that is a big question uh, that that will be answered because who knows what will happen, uh, you know, in the Republican Party. And we see the Democrats are fussing and fuming uh, over aid, and uh, their progressive uh, uh, caucus has just disintegrated, uh, which proves our point that the military-industrial complex is pretty darn powerful. But even the Republicans, you know, we have had statements by uh, McCarthy that sound, wow, you know, maybe, maybe the Republicans will wake up and, and, and uh, fill in the void that the Democrats have, uh, uh, have created by becoming, uh, you know, war hawks. So, uh, but, but uh, I do think, though, that uh, what appears to be happening may change course we just mentioned may change in what the election turns out to be but may change 
And it may be that the real contest is no longer with uh, the progressives anymore. The yeah. progressives have caved, and uh, there have been some pre Republicans have been pretty strong coming out. And even though Trump is uh, sort of uh, has different position, he's also give them an incentive to say that, you know, the American First Movement means that we shouldn't be sacrificing uh, life and limb and money uh, to peace, uh, to people around the world and actually not ac accomplishing a whole lot. And that's the that's the worst part about it. Empires are terrible, t terrible to manage. They're not they're not sensible. And uh, yet once they get started, uh, the only thing that holds them together is the bigger lies that you can tell. So we hear lies and distortions all over about exactly the needs, the pressing needs for us to keep sacrificing uh, to solve the problems and the borders of Ukraine and Russia, and then the world will be okay. And the American people right now are challenging that presumption. Yeah, and the piece we're talking about is written by Jim Antle, and it brings out some of the things that we've been talking about for the past couple of weeks. But I do think, especially on Election Day, it's worth uh, looking into again. And the subtitle of his is A Serious Split on Foreign Policy in the Party on the Eve of the Midterms Shows that the issue is far from decided. And we're seeing now the old guard, uh, people like McCarthy, um, people like McConnell in the Senate, uh, and all of the old guard Republicans uh, are still walking with their blinders on uh, toward oblivion with this endless foreign aid. And you have this new breed, and we've talked about it before, uh, who are looking at what we're doing and saying, as, Mac as McCarthy did say, but I think you're going to tell us in a minute, and I know you're right, it was all politics, but he did say, well, we don't have a blank check. Well, that, there's a lot of things between cutting off aid and a blank check, right? Uh, and, the, and the fact is we're $31 trillion in debt. We cannot afford to adopt this country forever and pay everything that they need forever. Um, but so that I think the thing is if the Republicans do happen to take the House and Senate, one or the other or both, there is going to be a civil war within the party. We've already seen what the Democrats do, how they can whip their people into shape with what happened to, as you say, uh, to the progressives when they tried to write this letter. But in the, in the House, it's going to be a little bit more brutal and bloody, and I think that's probably a good thing. This has to happen. You know, as they said in The Godfather, sometimes you have to go to the mattresses. But let's put up the next clip, because this is what we're talking about. This is from Jim's piece, <coughs> and this is McConnell. This is said right after McCarthy said we cannot have a blank check. He said, Russia continues escalating attacks on Ukraine's civilians and energy infrastructure. Uh, right, okay. And then he said, it's in America's core national security interest to make it clear that revisionist states such as Russia or China cannot simply gobble up smaller neighbors. Um, so he's obviously all in for continuing, for continuing uh, the blank check essentially to Ukraine. And here's one more, and I'm going to toss it back to you, Dr. Paul, but here's one more quote from the article. Uh, and this shows that McConnell, for all of his, uh, he seems to have good political sense because he's been able to hold on power for a long time, but here's something from the article. The Wall Street Journal poll finds that the, GOP, the share of GOP voters who think we're doing too much for Ukraine has exploded from 6% in March to 48% today. Clearly, the trends among Republicans are going very, very strongly against continuing this aid. Well, you know, the way I see this is there's a need for a change in our attitude in our foreign policy for a lot of reasons. It doesn't make good sense. It's not constitutional, all those, uh, those reasons. 
but it's also uh, how are we paying for and what are we going to do? And we see the political thing. You just quoted them, the political dissent. Now, Republicans, more Republicans are starting to make sense with what they're saying. And even for political reasons, they have to speak out that they're not going to have this war going on forever and ever. Uh, after, uh, you, you know, about 50 years of it, p people get pretty tired of it. And so the transition to where we are, maintaining an empire, to something more sensible is very, very difficult. Uh, it, it's easy to say, and I say it all the time, just bring the troops home. Yeah. But there's too many special interests and they run into roadblocks. But you know, in a similar way, um, something happened after the Civil War. In 1875, they had been off the gold standard for a long time, and they realized they had to go back to the gold standard. And back then, the conditions were different. There was a need for it. They had obey, obey, uh, abused it. They were using greenbacks. So the transition wasn't like, uh, you, you know, uh, real simple, but a lot easier than it would be today. So what they did was they had a three-year period of transition. And lo and behold, they shrunk the money supply. They got rid of the greenbacks. And the eventual event of conversion after three years went smoothly. But if you tried that same thing in foreign policy, maybe back then the foreign policy was even different then. We didn't have perpetual uh, war and empires to defend back in the 1870s. We were working on it, yeah. but we, we weren't there. But now we have so many things involved that uh, the, the people ask, well, why don't we do what they did in 1875? Because... Uh, you know, there's, it's, it's too, too complex. People can't, uh, uh, how can they keep printing money? They're too dependent on it. They're all addicted to it. So in a practical sense, it, it wouldn't work. So it has to go to a, a collision, an economic collision uh, under today's circumstances. But I'm afraid if you apply that to foreign policy, you have to uh, not think that, uh, you know, uh, six more people or 12 more people, not that I'm against it because yeah. I want them there talking about uh, peace and what has to be done because there will be an opportunity. But it's not going to be uh, right after this election all of a sudden that we will be able to uh, even move in that direction. There's so many people. So uh, it, it, it won't be as simple as going back to the gold standard back in the 1870s. And right now, it's not going to be simple to go back to a foreign policy which was uh, understood by the founders of this country. That's a long time ago. And we've uh, whittled away at the, even the concept of, uh, of a non-intervention or mind our own business. And uh, the whispers of it and the hints of it, let's just deal with America first, which generates mixed emotions yeah i mean non-intervention is what i like because that's where we have to move but it will not be with a snap of the fingers it won't be as easy and that that's why we're going to keep marching and guess what i think will do it it's going to come and that'll be the fact that we won't be able to afford it yeah and when you can't afford it it happens with all the empires and our empires are being uh, our our empire uh, has the days numbered for it because we can't afford to do what we're doing and I think Americans understand that, and that's why the economy was the number one issue in this election. People, people's interest in Ukraine has, has tanked. But, you know, the battle lines are drawn, and we can put on this next clip because um, uh, Senator Josh Hawley has announced that he will not support Mitch McConnell for Senate Majority Leader. 
That's a bold statement. He's a bold senator. We don't always agree with every one of his positions, but he certainly has the guts to speak his mind. And here's what he said when he was asked about it, whether he would support McConnell. I don't imagine I will. No. I'm not sure if any other senator will run or not. Nobody's indicated they would. But my view is that we need new leadership in that position. Now you might say, is he ambitious? What's going on? What's the issue? Well, he's very clear about the problem. And put on this next clip. He's very clear about what's annoying him. Hawley ticked off a list of decisions over the last two years he disagreed with. Ukraine funding, that's number one he lists. Ukraine funding, infrastructure and public safety bills, campaign spending in Arizona and New Hampshire. I did not agree with the idea that you go out there and badmouth your own candidates in the middle of an election. That's another issue that's really not something that we want to deal with. But he did issue that as the top issue. We have people coming in who are also very skeptical about this seeming open-ended commitment to Ukraine. So I think it's, uh, it's very, it'll be very interesting to see what happens if we well, see this victory. Well, I think the political structure is shifting because uh, the, the progressives, I've sort of uh, dismissed them as being instrumental in leading the peace movement. I mean, they were very significant uh, in trying to get the war stopped in, in uh, the 1960s, and it took a lot of lives to, uh, to do that. But I think it's totally shifted, and it's shifted to this battle in the Republican Party. And uh, there may be some elections, you know, uh, by the senators, their leadership, and, you know, uh, leadership in the Senate might make a difference. But I think what we witnessed just, just in the last week or so is the power of the military-industrial complex. For them to be, it, it wasn't like, oh, you know, after a month or two, they, uh, uh, you know, got the message uh, from, uh, from their supporters and their funder, funders, uh, that people who fund them. Oh, but maybe we ought to backtrack. What was it, 24 hours? Yeah. Oh, well, boy, we got the message from the deep state, and, and we don't want to be, you know what. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they switched immediately, and uh, that'll still exist, even if, even if the debate shifts more to the Republican Party. Uh, you know, politically speaking, and militarism is a pretty uh, bipartisan issue in the, in the worst sort of way. Absolutely. Well, before we move on to our next item, I do want to say a few words from our sponsor, and that sponsor is 4Patriots.com, the number 4Patriots.com. And we know we've got, we've got uh, supply chain problems. We've got inflation going mad. We've got crop uncertainty around the world. Our food supply is at the breaking point, and we do need to be food secure. Everyone needs to take care of themselves and their families. And we're going to show a couple of, of things here, but th the point is that you can get good quality food you can store it, it lasts for 25 years. Great survival food, delicious survival food. Um, it's packed right here in the US with the US company. These kits, all you need is water, you add water, you boil it, and you eat. It's one of the best things now, and the great news is if we can get that bottom third on, you can go to for the number four, patriots.com, and use the code RON, R-O-N, to get 10% off of your first purchase of anything in the store. And one of those things that is recommended is a three-month survival kit. And let's skip ahead to that. And here's the easy way to do it. And three-month survival kit, uh, it is uh, something that you will need to take care of your family. You get free shipping on orders over $97. And the other thing is, Dr. Paul, it's good food. Let's have a look at the food here. Buttermilk pancakes, potato soup, 
Uh, it's just uh, something that you need to take care of. And you know what? They also donate some of their revenue to help veterans in this country. We've got a big problem with veterans, so they do want to give back. So don't forget, use R-O-N-R-O-N as your code, 10% off for the number four, patriots.com. You won't regret it. Dr. Paul, let's move on <laughs> in our own show to something that you noticed this morning, and I hadn't seen it, but you noticed it, and it was something that appeared on the Libertarian Institute. And you know, election days are a good time to reflect as well as to get out and vote. And let's put up the next, next clip if we can. This is from the Libertarian Institute, remembering Daniel Webster this election day. Yes, this caught my attention also because of the short introduction and paragraph, it brought up some interesting subject. This is from the Libertarian Institute and Scott Horton's group, and but it's written, written by Dan McKnight. Mm -hmm. And the title is Remembering Daniel Webster's This Election Day. And what really caught my attention, they, they talked about uh, the dedication of uh, Daniel Webster to a cause that's dear to our heart, and that is uh, peace. And he actually ran in the Senate when he wanted to make the point, uh, and I don't know, even know whether it helped him politically on that particular election, but he, 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 made, he sort of started the Peace Party, yeah. called himself the Peace Party, but he wanted that, that message told. And that, I think, uh, uh, was an opportunity for, uh, you, you know, the, the people at the Libertarian Institute to make this point that this is a big subject. And it's not like we need to be told that, but we love it when the people do this. And Scott certainly has been a friend yeah, over the yeah. years and promoting what we're doing. So I was very pleased to read this article. Yeah, let's put up that next quote. And this is just something from the article. And he says tomorrow's election day. Obviously, this came out yesterday. So today is election day. And he talks about, as you say, Dr. Paul, uh, uh, they write about, uh, they also want to run as a peace party. Webster campaigned in 1814 while the nation was at war. He thought the war was senseless. He campaigned for peace, for the peace party. And it really is something that we need to think about when we vote. And let's look at this next clip, because this is again from the article. And it's a quote from Daniel Webster. 175 years ago, Daniel Webster addressed veterans like us directly. He said, and this is a quote from Webster, I honor those who are called on by professional duty to bear arms in their country's name, in their country's cause, and to do their duty well. I would obscure none of their fame, but I will say here and to them, there is the solemn adjudication of nations, and it is the sentiment of the Christian world that a war waged for vicious purposes or from vicious motives tarnishes the luster of arms and darkens if it does not blot what otherwise might be a glorious page in the history of the nation that makes it. Very well said. Yes, and uh, I, I want to read a quote from the article. He says, odds are, you've heard me quote my quote from Webster before, and he goes on to say, quote, it will be the solemn duty of the state governments to protect their own authority over their own militia and to interpose between their citizens and the arbitrary power 
by the federal government. Sounds like a modern day debate going on. Yeah. Of course, I think the whole thing about uh, the state national guards and all this, I think the, the whole principle of the, of the militia has long been lost. But uh, the advice to him was uh, that he was not very anxious to see a powerful central government, you know, dictating to the states on their on defense. It would be interesting to see what uh, their opinion, detailed opinion, would be on how to how what the states should be allowed to do about our borders. Yeah, yeah, it would be. Well, speaking of, of if we're if we're done with Webster, because I think that quote is so is so appropriate when he talks about a war waged for vicious purposes. And I think we can almost put up that next clip because this, if you want to look at that up in the dictionary, this is what you would see. You would talk about the U.S.'s attacks on and continued occupation of parts of Syria. This has gone on for nearly 10 years. Uh, and by definition, it is a war waged for vicious purposes. Uh, and this headline is uh, from um, The Cradle. And it comes to us via antiwar.com. U.S. to establish new military base in northwest Syria. And let's look at the next quote from that article. The distribution, this says everything you need to know, I think, Dr. Paul. The distribution of Washington's illegal bases resembles the cordon surrounding the sources of oil and gas located east of the Euphrates River, representing most of Syria's underground wealth. The eastern countryside of Deir ez-Zur hosts the most strategic military bases, including the Al-Omar oil field base, one of the largest in Syria, and the Conoco gas field base, which are regularly subjected to violent shelling by armed groups affiliated with Iran. So we're occupying the part of Syria that has the wealth, that has the oil and gas wealth, and we're holding it illegally. Yet at the same time, we lecture the rest of the world about the rules-based international order. Right. And uh, it sounds like they're maintaining an empire, getting it, and it's getting more difficult always. Now, the author of this writer, you know, used that quote that you, you took and, and that had, had to do from, from Webster. But uh, the author of the article now says, let us no longer tarnish the image of our nation. Let us learn from the wisdom of Daniel Webster and our founding fathers. Let us bring our troops home and end this experiment in global imperialism. Let us put America first and begin rebuilding our own republic. Let us elect a future peace party. Yeah. And th th that can begin tomorrow on election day, uh, but only if we do it. But that's that's a big question at the yeah, end, and that's yeah. of course what we're uh, trying to dissect out and uh, warn people about, because there are still factions, and uh, and uh, and we've alluded to the fact that we always do. There's a lot of uh, influence and power uh, with the money, the military-industrial complex. We we recognize that, uh, you know, in in the war against COVID. Yeah. I mean, just think how powerful the pharmaceuticals. Uh, uh, are and, uh, and and some claim they're more powerful than even the military industrial. That's hard for me to believe, but it might be true. Yeah, you know when it comes down dollar for dollar, uh, and and it's always this fear and sentiment, patriotism, and how often has patriotism been drawn into the uh, uh, war on on COVID? That if you know 
how people would challenge total strangers as if they were a terrorist ready to blow up their house or something, you know, yeah. just horrible, totally out, out of control. And uh, we, we, we still have uh, a job uh, uh, before us to try to get people to think about peace movements. Peace movement. Serious, beyond partisan, that's what we're all about, beyond partisan peace movements. Yeah, in a way, you know, we hope that some Republicans are elected that, you know, that have our view. But at the end of the day, for us, we're, we're ready to get a movement. We want a movement together. So the, um, the serious situation, you're right, really does dovetail perfectly with this Daniel Webster article. We need a peace party. We need to stop occupying Syria. We need to stop stealing their oil. And Trump even celebrated, yeah, we're going to take their oil. You know, and it's, uh, it's unseemly, but no one wants to talk about it. The hypocrisy is so, is so obvious um, but now we're, gonna, we're not satisfied with stealing most of the oil. We need to set up new bases. And the irony here <laughs> is that we set up bases, we irritate people who don't want our bases there, and they, they send you know, rockets and shells at us. And we say, oh, you're sending rockets and shells at us. We feel unsafe. We need to make new bases. Yeah. And on it goes. It, guess what? They want to put more money. We put money and investments uh, into Syria for a long time. We thought things were settled, but it did quiet down. And there was a time when uh, when Trump said, just come home. Yeah. Remember when he yeah. was dimension? I think he met a lot of resistance, but it didn't look like it took a lot of a lot of persuasion for him. Yeah. So, oh, and I think he, he may have used words that uh, alluded to the fact that, uh, you know, the, the oil belongs to us. You know, uh, some people have the, you know, the old Roman belief that once you conquer, you take that and they and you take take what you can get and you pay all the bills yeah. on both sides and even the military benefited from it. But anyway, uh, they want to set up a new base. Coincidental, though, northeastern Syria. Yeah. Coincidental, is that where the oil? Where the oil is? Oil yeah, is. that's right, where the oil is. And uh, so this uh, this this shouldn't surprise us all, but it has uh, it, it tells you uh, you know how pervasive it is and how difficult you know even if you get some people maybe saying, well, I don't want to vote for that money for Ukraine, you know, because it, of the border issue. We don't need to be defending those borders, but. There'll be so many other things in there that has nothing to do with Ukraine, and then they'll they'll go ahead and vote for it, and uh, and, and, and and you know rationalize it. That's why it's so much easier. I hope it was easier for my staff to figure things out. <laughs> but if you're against interventionism and against precipitating war, and you are for the Constitution and you for peace, you don't have to say on the one hand, you know, we have to do something like this. On the other hand, something like this. And uh, I can remember staff coming to me and saying, you know, I think we have an easy task because uh -huh. the other sta the other staffers come in and say, well, you, when they have to report to their Congress and they say, well, here are these are the six people who really love this bill. And here are the six people that don't. And uh, for fortunately for me, it was much easier. Maybe it was just that I was just uh, too lazy to believe I was smart enough to divvy up the loot. <laughs> I, I decided the, the loot shouldn't be loot. It should be earnings and the people ought to be able to keep them here at home yeah absolutely well we didn't want to tell you that because we don't get a pay cut so we want to pretend we were working hard yeah. <laughs> but you know i think you were reading in this article what the excuse the u.s gave they don't come out and say these days that hey we want to steal the oil they give a they give a, a different excuse for why we have to stay there oh yeah 
is ISIS. <laughs> and I ask him immediately when I come in, who is this guy? <laughs> who is this guy? He pops up all the time. Yeah. Boy, he is. He must be a, a real tyrant. But, but uh, you know, well, the one thing is, Daniel, if you go in and you've made a mistake and the country didn't have any ISIS, before you know it, ISIS will be there. Pop I mean, up, think about yeah. Iraq. Yeah, know? just add water. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it happens. You know, if you subsidize it, they'll create more of it. So we uh, we need enemies, and we subsidize them all the time. They end up with our weapons, our money, and our our prestige and our constitution. They take that away from us because we sacrifice too much. Yeah, absolutely. So well, I'm going to close out, Dr. Paul, by thanking our our viewers. We we appreciate you coming to our events. We appreciate you uh, watching our show, sticking with us, and we uh, hope to, you will continue. If you haven't subscribed to us on Rumble, please do so. It's very easy just to hit that plus sign on Rumble every day uh, and give us some boost so we come up. Uh, again, we mentioned that we had some problems yesterday with our internet. Unfortunately, down here it's not always stable, so we weren't live. Uh, but we do appreciate you watching. We appreciate what support you can give us and hope you'll continue to do so, Dr. Paul. Very good. And uh, we will be watching carefully with the election. I uh, am concerned, uh, uh, you, you know, if there will be anything close to a fair count and everybody's happy because I think we've been warned that that's probably not going to, uh, not likely to happen, that there's going to be some people making accusations. And I think, uh, you know, when it comes down to uh, pure democracy, uh, I think it lends itself to more of this uh, mischief. Uh, and, the, you know, the representative type government, you know, let's say you talk about Senate races. You know, the original intent was that the states and their state legislatures, those individuals that were elected in much smaller groups, you know, would uh, get together and decide who should represent the state at the federal level. So what happened, uh, you know, along with uh, uh, get, getting uh, getting the income tax and a few other things, next they say, well, let's eliminate that. We like democracy. Well, uh, and every day it, it sort of it bugs me a bit how often you hear, hear the word, they're, they're going to ruin democracy, democracy. And you know, all I could think of was if I was involved in one of these discussions or in a debate, I'd say, would you please define democracy? And why do you like a system that is designed to be able to dominate over minorities? If you have the, the, the dictatorship of the majority, you never protect the minority, and yet the people who pretend they're protecting the minority are the ones who are screaming and hollering that we have to do everything conceivable to protect democracy. That doesn't mean you can't have an election to find out who your leaders are or who your governor might be, but that's not what they're talking about. And they detest the whole principle of self-reliance and following the Constitution and having a, po a foreign policy of non-intervention and having sound money. It, it's strictly uh, un unrelated to that because uh, right now people are so dependent and so addicted to the spending that we have a long way to go, and that's why I don't think it'll be a smooth transition. But the transition will come, uh, just as the transition was predicted many years before uh, the Bretton Woods uh, pseudo-gold standard would collapse, and it did just as the predictions came. But it wasn't overnight. It doesn't happen immediately. So some of the things that I'm concerned about, it might not happen next week or two, but believe me, the foundation is fragile, and that's what we should be concerned about. So the goal that I see 
our organization and the things that I've done over the years is to present an alternative to what we have. So if the people finally give up, what can they substitute it with? Sometimes you can destroy a society and destroy a government, but almost always throughout history, the governments get worse. And it's been a rare circumstance that some have argued the case that there's only been one war where the people actually ended up with more liberty than they had before the war. And uh, that was our revolution, you know. But most of the time, the people have less liberty and they're poorer and there's a lot of people suffered. The families are destroyed. And so it, it's just so strange that so many people just still blindly see this as a patriotic duty. If it's declared and we have to have a war and we have ISIS is there. Oh, my God, I didn't know that. We better give up on that, that thing. They, they're bad people and we have to take care of it. So I do think that uh, understanding the principles of liberty and, and understanding the goals that the founders had for us, if we start there, we would get a pretty good start for cleaning up this mess after we pay the bills. And it looks like, unfortunately, right now, payment of the bills is occurring, and that's why we have such economic uh, chaos at the, at, the food st at, the, at the stores and at the gas station. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.